0: Take off your coat, I'll make you feel at home Now let's pour a glass of wine
1: TikTok, you don't stop on this day in 1991. Colony bad with two D's. I want to sex you up. Is this the sort of song that Chris Luxon would like us to play in the bedroom? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, for whatever reason, people remember this very bad song. The song has been on Saturday Night Live, Beavis and Butthead and every so often they reformed a servant. Uh, Ellie Jones, I want to sex you up. They don't Wolf. make songs like they used to, do they?
2: No, I mean, that was never one of my favorite favourites, I have to say. Really? Uh, really? I quite, I quite like, what was the Salt and Pepper one? Let's Talk About Sex. That was always a good nightclub that one. Was, that you was should have better. played that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that didn't, didn't uh, come out on this day in 1991, Peter oh, Farley. Right. Do you recall this song? I but do. It, it,
3: it doesn't age, does it? No, I do. But I reckon Chris is a, is a Marvin Gaye, <laughs> yeah, is a Marvin Gaye man.
2: Oh, so stop it, Peter! You're I, ruining a whole lot of things so that we hold dear. There's a couple of songs
3: there. There's a couple of songs there. Probably get a text message from him. There's a couple of songs there that would be would suit him.
1: More Marvin Gaye, less Colour Me Bad with two Ds. <laughs> All right, here on the panel, uh, NZ National. Can I just say, um, yeah, really interesting response regarding, I mean, such a small program, isn't it? Religious study cuts, um, four staff, 170 undergrads, 20 supervised postgrads, but Interestingly, a lot of response on whether or not you think religious studies has a place in our society. Keep that coming. Actually, email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. I'll pick those up in the morning and we'll um, bump them into tomorrow afternoon. But look, uh, amazing r- the response. Peter, Th- for you, said there are three words in life that you have to remember. And I've forgotten them already. What are they again? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Please. Please. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Write Why them down. Do, what, What's with me that I can't remember those fundamentals? You're Anyway, menopausal. anyway um, I, 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 I rather... It totally agree, says Irene. Manners are important, but they're not taught. Regarding manners, Wallace, I work as a flight attendant, and often when we politely offer snacks and tea and coffee, a few passengers... Get this won't even look up from their screens and wave us away. Mm. What about that, mm. huh? Um, I'm not after much of a no thanks, but just something would be nice. However, this is a tiny minority. Most across the demographics are well mannered and a delight. And with us on this topic is Barb. Hello, Barb. Hi, Wallace. Now, what have you got to say on this topic?
0: Well, Wallace. Manners are taught. I've been a teacher for. Well, I started my teaching career in 1979 and I finished it at the end of last year. And manners were a very important part of our school day life. Um, we had a great behaviour management program, and that was always um, encouraged. Good manners was encouraged. We would give children an award, like a valuable person award, mm. but just just basic things like opening a door or or. Being considerate of others and the pleas and thank yous and sorries was a very, very important part of the life. And I would always comment to children and say, What beautiful manners! Mm. They will take you a long way in life. And, you know, the kids would always have a big smile and it was good to work. And Ellie mentioned that earlier. It's that positive, working on that positive and praising them for when they do it.
3: Some real wisdom mm. there. Either. Yeah, and you never lose it as an adult, right? You know, when you, when you say those same words to adults the look on their face, you know, which is, you know, one, mm. you know, I mean, with, CEO, with my CEOs and I say to them, thank you for that report. Let's have a discussion about it. You know, um, please, can you, ha- you know, it's the... It's, so even as a CEO, oh, it's you can... Basic stuff, right? Bas- yeah. It's basic stuff that unfortunately in our society and, you know, it's a global trend as well that, you know, this, the basic stuff is, um, is you know, is, is probably
1: taught but not adhered to. Barb, thank you for con- your contribution this afternoon. It's uh, meant a lot to us. Kia ora. Thanks, Bob.
2: Great. thanks. Thank Bye. you, yeah, doing very good. I think it comes down to as well. I remember saying to my kids that it's also about treating the people, treating people the way you want to be treated. You know, and that waving away thing, that's why I could never do what uh, what the, what yeah. was it? It was um, a hostie, was it, said the that f- on the plane? The flight
1: attendant, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. I, I
2: mean, I would end up going, sorry, did you say something? I'd be <laughs> fired on day two. But um, Well, let, let's, yeah.
1: let's make that a challenge this afternoon, why don't we, Ellie? Because that's actually blame rude, isn't it? When you're actually offered a tea or coffee and you don't even look up.
2: And you wave someone away. I mean, who the hell do you think you are?
1: Yeah, yeah and also, that's in public. I can only imagine, I always think this
3: to myself, oh. I can always imagine what people are like behind closed doors, right?
1: Yeah. Anyway, um, here we, uh, Mike, I'm astonished at the amount of people that do not say thank you in the Koru Club, whether it's for their coffee or when someone comes and clears away their plates. Good point, Mike. we got it. We've got to come to this. Let's come back to this. Uh, it is uh, coming up to 20 to 5 of the panel. From August, folic acid will be added to bread making flour. It's a big win for New Zealand medical and scientific communities, especially after plans to add folic acid were derailed in 2009. Industry opposition claimed possible risks from mass. Medication, folic acid can prevent devastating birth defects that can result in a lifelong disability, sometimes death. Morally, it's the right thing to do," said Sir Peter Gluckman, who led the 2018 review into folic acid fortification. And with us, is Associate Professor Louise Bruff, School of Food and Advanced Technology at Massey University, uh, Dr. Bruff kia ora. kia ora,
0: thank you for inviting me on the show. A
1: pleasure. How significant do you think this is?
0: Oh, this is really important. Um, there have been estimates that um, in the 10 years from when fortification didn't happen, between 2009 and 2019, somewhere of the order of 171 um, pregnancies um, resulted in or could have resulted in a, um, <clears throat> an infant with neural tube defects. And the other thing is, we don't know, um, possibly another 200 could have had miscarriages As a result of that, so it's actually a huge win for our mums, and ensuring that we don't, you know, that we prevent um, infants being born with neural tube defects.
1: So, does do countries? Can I ask you, Louise? Do countries with mandatory fortification, like Australia, have lower defect rates than New Zealand?
0: Absolutely, and in fact. Since the um, fortification in Australia, um, there was a reduction um, in neural tube defects by about 14%. But critically, more important, in their indigenous population, that um, reduction was. 74% By 74% so what we see is there's inequity at the moment in and um, whether people take folic acid supplements or not and we know that some of our groups are much less likely to take folic acid supplements such as Maori Pacifica low income um, young mothers and they're very much more at risk of having neural tube defects okay Ellie Jones
2: I get so sick of this argument about mass um, medication and stuff. To me, that's an absolute cop-out, particularly in a situation like this where um, folate um, or folic acid is a a natural B B vitamin, I think, isn't it, Um, doctor? You can get them in vegetables and things, which actually might mean people are taking less of it because vegetables are so expensive. Um, uh, What do you think about this argument with mass uh, medication being uh, against it?
0: I, I, I don't think I I'm, don't think it's mass medication. I mean, at the moment, about 30% of our bread has folic acid in it already uh because it's voluntary so um, supermarkets and um, um, food producers can choose to put it into their food anyway so if you're going to the shop you, there's a one in three chance that your bread's going to have folic acid in it anyway can
4: you
2: check is um, there a way you can look and be there sure you
0: can you could look at you can look at the label and on the label mm. if it's been added as an ingredient it should say in the ingredients list it should say folic acid but the thing is people can opt out because um n- Organic bread will not be fortified, so if people really don't want to have folic ah. acid. They can have organic bread.
3: All right, Peter. Oh look, um, congratulations um, to all those who advocated strongly for this. Um, and um, you know, yeah, you should you should be all very proud of yourself. And and I guess as a father of six kids, uh, I just wanted to say thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's a nice one. Because it, it,
1: there there has been some pushback, hasn't there, uh, amongst some industry uh, groups uh, earlier saying that, for example, um, uh, uh, fortification rates and blood folate levels in the New Zealand population, further benefits of mandatory fortification were likely to be marginal. That's what some said. So, can, can you assure us this afternoon, Louise, uh, that there is absolute international evidence that this is the absolute right thing to do?
0: There is international evidence. And if you look at the United States, they have had um, mandatory fortification since 1999, 2000. So that's like over two decades of it. And they're not seeing adverse effects in their population. Um, You know, we know that We know that so many pregnancies aren't planned, and it's really – and bread's cheap. Someone just talked about, you know, the cost-of-living crisis. And bread is cheap, and it's a good way to get folic acid into our population. Um, And they're up without – in a safe way, without any adverse effects.
1: Well, it's very nice to have you on the program, Louise. i just finally – someone asks, um, folate is naturally present, as Ellie picked up, in many foods. Citrus, broccoli, spinach, cereals, nuts, and on it goes – Why not just have a campaign to eat more of that?
0: Well, some of those foods are quite expensive. And the other issue is with our pregnant women, they have have such a high requirement in pregnancy. And it's actually quite hard to achieve it from a natural diet. So they do need either some kind of a supplement or fortification. And people will say, well, everyone should just take a supplement. But when you consider that 50% of pregnancies that result in a live birth are actually unplanned, then um, how are we, you know, and, and by the time the neural tube closes usually around a month after, um, after conception. And many people who weren't planning a pregnancy won't even know they're pregnant at that, at that point. Right. So it's really important that they have it pre-pregnancy. Yeah, nice because if, those of us yeah, who were Ellie. planning
2: babies were told to take folic acid in, in the weeks, months yes. leading up right. to when you're, yeah, which is great, as you said, if you're planning, but, you know, a lot, a lot of women don't.
1: All right. Very, very good. Okay, thank you, um, Professor Louise Brough there. Louise is from the School of Food and Advanced Technology at Massey University. That's the issue of uh, folic acid in bread. Uh, and I, I guess the subject of the day, really, uh, outside the, the big topics here, was uh, manners. Um, Chris says, I'm a school bus driver serving uh, Katakari College and Katakari Primary School, and after each trip... Well, over 50% of the young people thank me and wish me a good day or good evening. Great kids, well taught. Isn't that fantastic? That's fantastic. Yeah, it mm. Yep. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for your feedback on that now. Debbie and says When I was a student in the 80s at a university in the UK, we had a college bar on campus, everything centred around that. We had so many good times, quiz nights, fancy dress themes. The beer was particularly cheap, perhaps we overindulged a bit, but it was fun doing so. And most people lived on campus, so we didn't have to drink and drive. Anyway, the last student bar is this closing, as a sad day for Dunedin's, uh, sorry, for Dunedin for history's sake. But more as a loss of a safe haven for students, said Sergeant Ian Paulin when Starters Bar closed a couple of years ago. The Guardies, the Bowler, the Oriental, no more. The University of Otago doesn't have a student bar and alcohol regulations are strict. No alcohol on campus since 2014. Fast forward two years, bring back the student pub, says our next guest. With us is Dr Duncan Connors, Senior Lecturer at Otago University. Uh, Dr Connors, welcome.
5: Thank you. Well, Um, yes? No, I'm surprised to be here, so thank you very much. Well, it's good.
1: (laughs) Welcome to your first time on the panel, Duncan. Let's hope it won't be the last. Now, I know Dunedin. Trust me, I know it well. And I know the Oriental Tavern very well. And this got me thinking about the role of the student pub. And I couldn't believe that Dunners actually, as of today, has no student pub. Is that true?
5: That's very true. There are a few pubs around town um, and in a few places, but the traditional student pub where um, you'll go to have a few drinks is no more. We have a very different drinking culture now. I mean, students do get drunk. When I was in Amsterdam once, I was drunk so much I woke up in Paris the next day. But the the issue is that at the moment, because we don't have those safe pubs, nightclubs and spaces that can be policed, we have a very different drinking culture here, which, in, since I've been back a year, has concerned me somewhat.
1: Might be controversial, uh, uh, Doctor um, Connors. Uh, you advocating to bring back student pubs? Let's go around the panel on this, Ellie Jones.
5: What are you seeing
2: then, Duncan? This change in drinking culture.
5: Well, the sad part is, whenever you have prohibition, I mean. Hist- am business historian, and whenever you have prohibition, like we saw in the United States, you push it out of the public eye. So what we have is, let's say, if I went to buy a bottle of wine in the liquor store on Friday night, beside me will be a lot of students in their American University sweatshirts, buying crates of 10% fruit gut rot, and they're taking it back to their themed homes, and they're drinking away from the university. The next day, if I drove down that street, there's a good chance I'll be going to Bridgestones to have my tires replaced. There's glass everywhere, there's burnt out furniture. If I drive down that street, I you know not just many people, I'm sure they maybe have a reason to shout at me if I've marked their work, but if I go down that street, it, there's an aggressive culture, which is very different to what Dunedin was a decade mm-hmm. or two decades ago, where it's a very chilled culture. And in those houses, we can't police what happens. There could be, for example, sexual assault. Sorry to go dark there. There, there, there could be violence. There could be all sorts of behaviour. In a pub, we can have bouncers. We can even, with modern payment methods, have drink limits. We can we can actually educate as well. It's okay to drink, but you don't have to drink and set fire Oh, to
1: got it. So out. it's regulation, people in one place Good here, Peter.
3: Point. Yeah, that, look, it's a very good point. But I'm the worst person to talk on this topic. So I, you know, I had in a I had a challenging time in my university yeah. days with alcohol, and my father and my grandfather were alcoholics. So, okay. uh, um, so it's a it's a very uh, awkward but challenging conversation for me. However, I really do get your point uh, around that regulatory, all um, that safe space element. Um, um, so. Totally understand that point, but a difficult conversation. Yeah,
1: no, no, kia ora, Peter. And on that, just uh, look, you're not going to stop students from getting drunk either way, are you, Duncan? Those that do, although, you know, uh, uh, alcohol participation rates amongst young are declining. Is there also an aspect to the loss of, you know, when you think back to university, as if you went to university, you don't often think of, gosh, I read *To the Lighthouse* by Virginia Woolf. No, you don't. You think of what a great night at Shad's I had. What a great time at the Gardens I had. Wow, like the remember cook? that? The, the mm. cook, fat ladies, th- <laughs> <fat>, the fat <laughs> exactly. ladies. Remember, remember the, remember the seeing the NDTs at the cook. Those are the things you remember, Duncan.
5: That's it. I was in Manchester in the nineties. I, I was. Um at the Hacienda nightclub in the last week it was open. That's what I remember.
1: You were at the Uh, Hacienda in Manchester?
5: Yes, um, I've actually seen Tony Wilson on many occasions. Uh. That's my big claim to fame for myself and my mates. Of course, he's always at a distance, but... um, that was my culture. It was Manchester, the 90s. And yes, wow. I remember that more than my degree in town planning. I, I couldn't <laughs> call you a one-way system or design a grass verge if I tried. You know, hence I went into history. But but the, 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 the it is those moments. And to respond to the excellent point about alcoholism, this is a way to prevent it. Mm. If these students are, are just going to the liquor store, going back to the home, drinking, drinking, drinking... You are more likely to end up in alcoholic countries such mm. as um, the one i 'm um, you know aware mm. of growing up Scotland and the Netherlands. That's a good point. We had a culture where I had wine you know watered down wine as a child, where okay. you learned mm. to drink and I, I think that this this culture is not just about town and gown it, it is unhealthy to have that The university has to sit comfortably in environment We mm. will have
1: to leave that there for the moment. Thanks for raising the issue on the panel for mm. us. Thank you so much. Duncan Connors, the lecturer at Auckie University, advocating the that there is a place for that classic student pub. Now, finally, on the panel with Ali Jones and Peter for you, Tauranga City Council they propose to raise fees for Bay venues. They're inside community facilities. Depending on your organisation, it might be a fifty-eight. Eighty-nine or a 102% increase in hourly fees. These venues are where the marching team practices, social dance classes are held, and basketball trainings and games happen. Tauranga Council, they've received 138 submissions about these proposed changes. Some are upset. Mark Rogers is General Manager for Tauranga City Basketball Association. Kia ora, Mark. Hello. How would these proposed changes affect basketball in Tauranga?
4: Uh, well, uh, it's huge, the impact for our community. Um, you know, it's, it's tough times for a lot of people at the moment and to have a, a 58% hike in one year is um, you know, really going to uh, make the decision on whether or not to play sport, a tough one for a lot of parents.
1: Is it as blunt as that? Um, parents will be uh, getting the email saying there's going to be a 58% increase and uh, that's the way it is from next year.
4: Well, we're waiting to hear back from council yeah. on uh, their deliberations, so we've uh, submitted some recommendations to them around um, potentially grandfathering some of these increases and also around um, equity, I suppose where indoor sports uh, are charged for the use of council facilities and outdoor sports aren't so um, we're sort of suggesting there may be a more equitable equitable way to um you know raise the money that's
1: needed. In dollar turns, what are we talking?
4: Uh, For for us as an organisation, we're looking at probably another $50,000 next year that we'll have to pay to use community use
1: facilities. Allie Jones, um, big yeah, increase.
2: See, yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked that because the example that I saw was the the older women that that march there, um, and they were talking about a, a massive percentage increase, and I was horrified. But then when I saw the dollar figure, I went, "Oh, you've got to be kidding!" So the how the hourly rate to hire the centre for for these uh, older women because they're in the senior category is fifteen dollars forty. That's the hourly rate to hire the centre. The proposed rate is going up to twenty nine dollars twenty. So when you put the dollar figures in and you call it an eighty nine percent increase it does put it in perspective and I'm not saying that's not the case with you Mark it sounds like it's very different but with the women who are marching there are ten women they pay five dollars each is fifty bucks a week uh, and the new hire is going to cost forty three eighty so they're going to be left with six dollars twenty and they're really annoyed
1: about that. And a so fifty grand that, increase for a, a volunteer led yes, community organisation? Yes
2: so why, why the difference there Mark because it does sound incredibly inequitable is it because you're not in the senior category? Uh,
4: no we have differential rates at the moment but they're all being um, done away with as well under the proposed uh, changes. So uh, for underage and and senior groups there is a discounted rate um, recognising you know the benefit for the community having those people active.
2: Are you um, underage?
4: And me? No. No, no, no.
2: I mean, is your organisation underage counted oh, the, as?
4: Probably 80% of our members are under 18. Right. So uh, we have a huge um, group that will be affected by not only the increases, but also the, the uh, uh, abolition of the community rates.
3: OK, Peter. Yeah, I mean, the great thing is that um, the association, or, or Mark's um, um, basketball association, is engaging with with council and, and, and also providing solutions. I mean, that's the, that's the bit that I like about this conversation, that, you know, it somehow... You know, with the growth of Tauranga and other, and other cities around New Zealand, this sort of conversation will continue to happen. And so how do you do it in a, in a, in a proper co-designed way with the relevant associations and relevant organisations? So, I mean, looking forward to the result of your conversations, Mark. But um, I think that's the appropriate way to actually provide sort of a bit of a reality check back to the commissioners and the council around the impact on right. participation.
1: Are you hopeful for an uh, outcome, Mark?
4: Um, we're hopeful that they will look at the submission that we put in in terms of uh, potentially grandfathering some of these increases and also around equity for you know community sport. Um, there's a lot of benefits from playing sport, as everybody knows. Um, somebody's got to pay for those facilities to be available. Yeah. And, uh, we're happy paying our fair share. Um, we just need it to be managed so that we can provide those opportunities to people.
1: Nice one, Mark. Well, uh, all the best for that and uh, appreciate your time there. That's Mark Rogers, the General Manager of the Tauranga City Basketball Association there. Very good. Thank you very much for your uh, feedback this afternoon um, and just going on the sort of uh, the, the manners thing. Please, thank you. Sorry. Have I got it right here? Yeah. Yes. Um, Is it a cultural thing, Wallace? Watch any American Hollywood movie Mm. and you will often see the absence of these words in service situations. It grated me immensely during my years living and travelling overseas and years back. I'm so pleased to get back here and experience common courtesies again. That is so true, actually. You look at American
2: television and you just do not see people say please and thank you.
1: That's because it's TV, Ali.
2: Yeah, I know, but you should should be teaching people stuff. There's no reason why you shouldn't say please and thank you.
1: You're watching Baywatch. They're busy (laughs) saving people, and you want them to say hello and thank you on the phone, for God's sake. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Ali Jones, better fuck for (laughs) you. On that note. (laughs) I'm Wallace Chapman, 3.45. I'll see you tomorrow for Power Ballad Friday. Stay with us for Lisa Owen and Checkpoint. Thanks, Ali. Thanks, Wallace.